What are you expecting for Christmas? Do you have any expectations for tonight? Uh, yeah, the kids are all ready to have like interactive session here. That's right. <laughs> expecting some gifts. They're ready to let us know what they expect. But there's so many unexpected things about the Christmas story. And tonight I want to talk about the unexpected sign. The unexpected sign of Christmas. Signs point to something, right? If you came here today, if this was your first time here or you're newer to Meadow Park, maybe you have to follow some signs to get here. Right? The sign points us down in the right direction. If you've been here like a hundred times, maybe it's like you're on autopilot already. Do you ever do that while you're driving? Like you end up somewhere you didn't even know how you got there. You kind of didn't even pay attention. But normally signs, when we're trying to get somewhere, we have to follow the signs. And so you look for that sign. Okay, Sawmill and Bethel Road. And then when you pull up, uh, you know, coming closer, you see the sign at the front of the church. This is Meadow Park. If all of a sudden that sign said something else, you may be wondering where you are. Well, where do I pull in? You pull in in the parking lot, and you wonder where's the front door, and, and how do we get inside the building? And when we're inside the building, where's the worship center? You might want to know where the restrooms are, right? Those are all important things that we follow the sign to where we're going, and it helps get us there. Now, we have GPS, and that makes life a lot easier, right? Any big fans of GPS? You'd be lost without it. But uh, even if you miss a sign, isn't that the worst? Have you ever been, like, driving on the highway, and you missed an exit? Right? And all of a sudden, now you have to figure it out again. Now, thankfully, again, GPS reroutes us and figures all that stuff out. But it can become confusing. And we're looking for a sign. And I think in our life, we look for signs. And maybe it's a sign that you're going, is this the right decision I'm making? Is this the direction I should go? God, if you're real, show yourself to me. We want those signs. And we're looking for signs. And when we look at that story of Christmas, there is the most unexpected sign. And the sign is this manger. And we look at this manger and we go, this is the most unexpected thing to be at the center of a story that we celebrate. Why is this manger? Why is this so important? You see, everything about that first Christmas was unexpected. From the very beginning that, that the angel appeared to Mary, who was engaged to be married to Joseph and just thought life was going to be great. She's going to marry Joseph, going to have a great life, and, and they're going to have their family together. And the angel appears to her, as we heard in that story that was read, that you're going to have a baby. The Holy Spirit will come over you and you will conceive a child and his name will be Jesus and he will save people from their sins. I mean, this is an earth-shattering, mind-blowing thing that happened to Mary. It was totally unexpected. When she told Joseph, you can imagine his surprise. What are you talking about, Mary? This doesn't make any sense. And, and we had a future plan. I thought it was going to go this direction. What was it going to mean to him? And then, the, then, then in a dream, Joseph hears the same story. No, no, the the child within her is born of the Holy Spirit, and he will save people for their sins, and his name will be Jesus. And Joseph and Mary now imagine a whole new life together, completely unexpected. And then the decree comes from Caesar that everyone needs to return to their hometown to, uh, to be counted for a census. And so they head back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem was where it was, um, Joseph's ancient lineage came through Bethlehem because King David of the Old Testament was actually one of his great, 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 great ancestors. And so he had that lineage. And so they had to go to Bethlehem. The Bible actually predicted that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem, an obscure passage that maybe people didn't even pay much attention to. And then they make it into Bethlehem, and we've made a, a great story around it, and we have all these things that we imagined about it. But as we just heard, it's quite simple. If we look at this passage here in Luke chapter 2, this is all it says about when they arrived. It says, and while they were there, when they got to Bethlehem, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. There's no lodging available, no room, right, for this baby who was to be born. And so we read that she wrapped him in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger. Well, a manger was simply a feeding trough. 
That's all it was. It was a feeding trough. And so we make the assumption that, well, if there was no lodging for them, then they had to go somewhere that was a barn or a stable or somewhere where animals were kept. And so the time came, and she gave birth. And there in that moment, where else to put him but placing him in a manger, in the hay, wrapped snugly. That was the birthplace of the Savior. Everything was unexpected that night. And then out in the fields, we read that there were shepherds, right? And they were watching their sheep and uh, out in the starry sky at night. And the heavens opened up. They'd never experienced that before. Who's experienced that before? An angel appears and says, I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. It's a good news that is brought in. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, right? That a Savior has been born in Bethlehem. This is the news that they have, that this is a world-changing event. It's happening tonight. Now, I wonder if the angel thought, and the angels thought, I wonder if the shepherds aren't sure where this all leads and if maybe they need a sign. And here's what we read in in verse 12 of Luke chapter 2. It says, and you will recognize him by this sign. We're going to give you a sign. This is a great message that was shared. This is the sign. Here's the sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. It's such an unassuming sign. When we think about the Savior of the world, God of heaven, stepping into the earth, that the manger, that this would be the sign, that we would see him, that they would know, here's your sign. You guys remember those jokes? I'm a little late to the game on the here's your sign. No, but if you've been around for a while, you know, here's your sign. Bill Engvall, he would tell these jokes. And basically the idea was there's going to be something so obvious. Come on, do you really need a sign? Are you not getting it? What are you missing? But here's, here's your sign. It's like if a, a truck driver, you know, driving a semi-truck got stuck under an, un, like kind of got a truck stuck under an overpass. And the cop came up to him and he said, he said, got your truck stuck? No, I was delivering an overpass and just ran out of gas right here. Here's your sign, right? I mean, it's, here's your sign. It's so obvious, and sometimes we want an obvious sign. What's obvious, and the, and the shepherds needed an obvious sign. There was not going to be another baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Here's an obvious sign. We look for signs. And I don't know, are you looking for a sign in your life? Have you ever prayed, God, give me a sign? Anyone? Am I the only one? God, show me. Give me a sign. Reveal something to me. A story is told by a man named Charlie that he and his wife were newly married, and so they, uh, they were renting their first house together, and they wanted to be a little bit outside of the, out of town, and so they were actually in, in Virginia, I think in Manassas, and, and so they found a house that was um, a little bit more off the beaten path, but it was still on like a commuter street, and so there was still heavy traffic in the morning and the evening that, you know, would kind of fly by their house, and so when they got to this house, and they had this house, and, you know, Charlie was looking out at the street, and he was seeing the cars driving by, and he just kind of felt like prompted in his spirit that maybe he needs to do something to connect with those commuters driving by. And he kind of shook it off, but, um, but then he felt like I was telling him, like, no, put a, put a sign out on the street. And he's like, all right, he made a little bargain with God. Well, if you want me to put a sign out on the street, then you're going to have to provide, provide the plywood, and you have to provide the paint. Didn't think much more about it, and he went to cut his grass for the first time in, in late fall. It was kind of tall, and so he's driving, and he hits a bump, and he gets, a, he gets off the mower to look at it, and sure enough, it's a half sheet of plywood. So he picks up the half sheet of plywood. He takes it into the basement of his unfinished basement of the house. He hadn't even been in there. He walks down the stairs to drop it off, and what does he see on the shelf? You guessed it, paint. <laughs> so he kind of smirked. And he's like, all right, God, I guess you provided for me. He got rid of the excuses. I'm going to paint a sign. I'm going to uh, put it out there. What do you want me to put on the sign? He's prayed about it. He couldn't think about what it was, but a phrase kept coming back to him, and the phrase was simply this, Jesus loves you. He's like, Jesus loves you. 
So he decided to, all right, I guess what I'll do. So he painted the sign white, and he put the letters on, Jesus loves you, and he put it out on the side of the street on a, on a Sunday night. But as he stepped back from the sign, he looked at it, and he was like, ah, oh, I made the letters a little too small. God, if you want people to see this, you're going to have to slow them down somehow. He went to bed. The next morning, he woke up, and snow was falling. Snow was not in the forecast. Snow had not been predicted, but cars were crawling as he looked at the street. They were crawling by the sign, driving in pretty slow motion, just kind of coming by, and everyone could see the sign, Jesus loves you. So he decided this was something he was going to keep doing. So every week uh, on Sunday nights or Sundays, he would paint the, the sign white again, and he'd put a new phrase, and he would just continue to put these signs out uh, on the side of the road. Well, some months had passed, and he and his wife were at church. Church was about 30, 40 minutes away from where they lived. And, uh, and he comes out and he finds a note on his car behind the windshield. He pulls open the note and he says, uh, I just want to tell you that about six months ago, my life was in the pits. This man was telling him about how his life, and, and then in one week, he also not only lost his job, but had a divorce, lost his, his marriage. And for him, he was depressed. He wanted to take his life. He didn't feel loved. He didn't feel wanted. He didn't know what to do. He was desperate, and he was upset, and, and he was leaving his house one day, ready to take his life, and he literally said to God, he goes, you know, can you show me that you're real? Show me that you love me. Show me that I matter. I don't want to take my life, that it makes a difference. Give me a sign. He turned down the road, and there was the sign. Jesus loves you. It impacted him so deeply in that moment that he just wept, that he felt like God saw him, that God heard him, that God knew that there was a purpose and the meaning in his life. And as he wrote the, this note, he said, the reason I knew it was you, he said, I was just looking in the church directory to see if anybody lived near where I live, because we kind of live out in the middle of nowhere. And I saw your address, and I knew that was the house. And I just wanted to tell you what you did. Because of your obedience, God used that to turn my life. The sign. Maybe you kind of go, oh, it's all coincidence. And maybe it is. I don't know. But I don't think so. <laughs> maybe it's not that obvious. But we ask, God, give us a sign. Give me a sign. Show me that you're real. Sometimes we wonder, like, wouldn't it be like the shepherds? Like, just open up the heavens and tell me that you're real. And then, God, I would believe and I would know. But even in that moment, there was still not the answer. Just because the heavens opened up and angels said it, that still wasn't the answer. They still wanted the sign. Here's your sign to go and to find that manger. God gave us a sign. And the sign is Jesus. The sign is Christmas that says to us that, that God came. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. For God so loved you, for God so loved you, for God so loved you, for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish. You're not going to die. You're going to have eternal life. That is the gift. That is the promise. And that is what transforms us and changes us. That this sign of the manger is the sign for us that says God loves you. It's not the most exciting message in the world. It's not the deepest that we have to think about, but it is the most beautiful, simple, life-transforming message when we understand that the creator of the universe came because he loves us. That he wanted to give us this sign to say, I love you. And it came in the most unexpected way. We would think that God could have opened up the heavens in a different way. He would come down with a fiery chariot or that he would come out of Rome and the powers of, of the empire. But no, it was a lowly manger a baby that identifies with us saying, I come to bring new life, that I'm approachable, that, that, that God is humble, that he laid down his rights, that he became a human to live among us, to, to show us the way. 
And that Jesus is the sign, the manger is the sign, Christ coming is the sign that points us to the Father. Jesus himself, one of the most famous things that he said, one of the most life-altering things, if you believe this, is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. How many of us are looking for the way? We look for the way everywhere in this world. Is this the way? Is this the way? Write the sign. Jesus is the way. He's saying, I'm not just a sign. I am the way. You want to find the way? Come to me. I am the truth. So many people, so many things claim to be the truth. Social media influencers, TV and media and news channels and philosophers and teachers and theologians. It's like, who is the truth? What is the truth? Jesus is the truth. We don't have to keep searching. And he says, I'm the life. I've come to bring you that life we talk about here at Meadow Park, life to the fullest in Christ. It's the promise that we have in him. And that's what Jesus brought. That's what he came as he stepped into this world for us, that we would experience that truth, that we would experience that life, that we would know the way through Jesus Christ. Now, the shepherds, they were out there, and they were told, this is the sign. And we come to Christmas, we hear, this is the sign, and, and we gather in church, this is the sign. I don't know where you are in your spiritual walk. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you feel like you know your Lord and Savior, if you think it's just a, a joke, if you think it's a myth, if you're here because you're making parents or spouses or family members happy and you just want to get on with the celebrations, we all have different places where we're at. But it's what the shepherds did is there's a sign. The question is, what do you do when you hear the sign? If somebody says, this is the sign, they went and they followed they left their fields, and they went, and they looked. What did the wise men do? They saw the star, but they went, and they followed it, and they wanted to see what is it all about. And it began the journey of seeking. It began a journey of transformation, but follow the signs. Where do they lead? Jesus himself said all throughout the Bible, we read Jesus saying, come and follow me. Come follow me. Begin this journey. Just come follow me. See where it leads. See where it goes. See what you find there. And in that moment, transformation happens because with God, sometimes the most amazing story in your life is the one we never saw coming. It's when God kind of hits us out of the blue and, and we thought we'd given up hope and there is the sign. And it's as basic and as simple that reminds us God loves you. And then begin that journey. Wherever you're at, maybe you need to be reminded again today that you feel forgotten, you feel lost, you feel hopeless, Maybe you feel like you have it all together and life is just going swimmingly and you're a huge success and life is just going up and to the right, but you're finding there's, there's always something else that seems elusive and you can't reach. Come follow Jesus. He gives us this unexpected sign that we wouldn't expect. And in today's society of wealth and celebrity and fame and riches comes the simple manger, a sign. You'll find him if you seek him. I pray that God would do something in your life amazingly transformative. That as we close out this year, and as you think about this Christmas, that it wouldn't just be some Jesus of history, but that it would be God himself real in you. That you would experience that relationship that comes with Christ, the peace, the hope, the joy that comes knowing that God is with us. And that you would set out on a journey wherever you are to say, at least let me explore that. At least let me lean into that. And maybe as you begin 2024, can I give you a challenge, depending on where you're at, regardless of where you're at, that you would say, you know what, I'm going to pursue Jesus. I want to know if there's something to that, if there's more. Would you come? Even as we talked about this new series we're beginning in January, what an opportunity to lean in and say, God, show me. I want to know if you're real. 
And I want to lean into this understanding, this amazing sign that God loves you. That you would experience that in your heart. And that you would experience that this Christmas. That's my heart. That's my desire. We're going to close out here after I, I pray with a song that we've been singing here for the uh, last several weeks called Manger Throne. And it just reminds us that we come to this manger, but Jesus didn't stay in this manger. He didn't just stay a child. He grew to be a man. He was the son of God who showed us the way, who sacrificed his life for us. And he became the king who lives forever. And we can have eternal life if we put our hope and our trust in him. It's that simple and it's that amazing. What's holding you back? Let God do something unexpected in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this Christmas Eve, there's so many traditions and oh, just cultural expectations around Christmas and so many awesome things that we enjoy from cookies and carols and exchanging gifts and Santa Claus and reindeers with red noses and North Poles and all these kind of crazy fun things. But Lord, help us to recognize that in the simplicity of this manger, the world was changed. And that right outside the noise of that small town and in the dark of that night, the world was forever changed. Father, may we, like the shepherds, may we, like the wise men, may we, like Mary and Joseph, just open our hearts to discover who you are, to find the truth, to live in that, and to experience the fullness of life you have for us. Father, would you do something unexpected in our lives today that would open us to the truth of who you are? Thank you for coming. Thank you for showing us the way and for doing it in such a way that just is approachable and humble and filled with love. God, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.